am excited. I get to kick off this series. Um, little quick backstory on it. We actually did this as a small group. Um, quite a few people read it and said, we're going to do this as a small group. And so we did it and it was phenomenal. It was amazing. And God moved in really powerful ways in our lives. It was funny because it, Toby, I think you said it in your, in your team rally that if you've done uh, this book, or if you've read through this book, there's a part of it where she said, I felt like I wasn't even saved at one point in time because, and she's been saved for a long time, but it, it brings you to this point of revelation where you'll say, okay, God, okay, do I actually believe that you are who you say you are? Or am I just living a lie? And you have to ask yourself that. You're the only one who can reckon with God in that moment. You're the only one we're going to use this book as the format for this next couple of weeks, but we're using the word of God as our foundation. There is nothing that replaces the word of God, nothing. So the word of God is going to be our foundation always. We're using some of the pull, pulling some of the pieces that he uses to describe the process in here. Speaking of the process, as I say this phrase, as I say this phrase, I want you to think in your mind. And I had a chance to speak at Shelly. Shelly's here. But I had a chance to speak at her small group a couple of weeks, last week actually, I think it was. And, um, and so we kind of dove into a little bit of this, but I'm excited to do it together as a body. But I'm going to say this phrase, and I want you to listen to what you hear in this phrase. And it's this, buckle up your seatbelt or you will buckle under the weight of the vehicle if we get into an accident. Buckle up your seatbelt or you'll buckle under the weight of the vehicle. The phrase I wanna tell you tonight is this, context matters. Context matters. Because what we say and what we read can be two very different things. And if we don't understand the word of God, and if we just read through it, and we don't understand the context in which he's speaking to us, that it can cause damage inside of our relationship with him. Because we don't understand him and we haven't seek to know him, we're just checking off our duty. And, and that's the, the very worst thing that you can do. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Not like, okay, Lord, I'm going to open up and let me thumb through. I got it. I read two verses. I'm good for the day. He wants us to know him intimately. And when you do that, it changes your relationship with him. He's not in the business of creating people that are robots that walk around and that say all the same, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. He wants sons and daughters who love him and value him. He doesn't want robots he doesn't want indentured servants. He wants your heart. And so over the next couple of weeks, that's the plan. The plan is for us to get to know his heart. I want to read this scripture from you, for you. Thinking of the context of, you know, think about it in, in context. And context matters. I want to read Exodus 20 and 20 in the ESV. I normally read in the New Living. It's my favorite translation. But ESV tonight. And it says this, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. If we breeze past that, not understanding the context of that, we'll hear the Lord say, don't be afraid, but be afraid of me. 
we have to think about what we're reading because we're digesting it and it's causing an imprint on our soul. And we'll live out of fear of God versus a relationship with him because we don't understand what his word says. And I have this analogy, uh, forgive me for a little bit because I'm bringing a trash can up here. On my run a couple of months ago, I was running and I try to run on a day that's not trash day and for obvious reasons because I'm running past trash cans for my entire run. And so I'm running and it's like a trash day, of course, and there's like junk all over the sidewalk and I'm dodging trash cans and I'm trying to run and it smells and I'm mad because I picked the wrong day to run. And I'm running, 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 and I'm seeing like junk on the lawns and I'm seeing like stuff and all this just all this stuff everywhere, stuff everywhere. And then all of a sudden, I see this individual who come, comes by, and he's got a truck, right? And he's a picker. He's picking out of people's trashes. And he's grabbing things that are broken and all these metal scrap pieces, and he's throwing them into his truck. And immediately, I'm running past him, and this is what the thought came to my mind. That's not God's best. And I thought, that's weird. He's just, you know, trying to earn, earn some money. Why would I say that? And what it did was it caused me to realize how often do I reach into the trash for what I'm really wanting is nourishment for my soul. How often do I reach into the world to grab what I need instead of digging into the word of God? Lord, I'm lonely. Let me hit Twitter. Let me hit Tinder instead of going to the word of God and him filling my soul and saying, I'm all you need. How often do I do that? And this trash can analogy stuck with me for months. And it made me realize how often I reach in for things that are easy and bypass what's good for me because it's convenient. It's convenient. In that moment, it was convenient. It actually caused me to evaluate a lot of things in my life because I realized something. When our kids were very little, and listen, this is the parenting part that nobody tells you about, okay? They need to write a book about like all the things your kids are gonna do that could eventually end up in an ER visit. Like that's the book they need to write. But I remember when Mia was just toddling around, toddling around, I walked into the kitchen and to my horror, I see her eating out of the trash. And I'm like, oh my God! You know, I call poison control and they're like, what did she get? I'm like, I think it's a raw banana. They're like, she's fine, calm down. You know, the, these are the things that we do as moms. We walk in, we see our kid doing something. But I wonder how often God looks down and goes, don't do it, baby, don't do it. Don't engage in that activity. Don't do it, it's not my best for you. It's not the very best that I have for you. And I think so often when I was processing through this, I have to teach my kids what proper nutrition is. We bypass the trash because the fridge has what you need. It sustains you in the fridge. This is gonna cause us to go to the ER, but this is what, where we get food. And if we put that into the context of this message today, then we can look at 
verses in the Bible and scripture. And we can understand a little bit deeper when God says, seek me to know me instead of just bypass and just read a couple of things and then be done with it. He wants us to know him intimately, to know his heart intimately. If we read this verse, Exodus 20, 20, it's got two words in there. It's two times it says the word fear. And I wanna break this down for you. The first time that we hear fear in that Bible verse, the word is actually this in the Hebrew, yari, Y-A-R-E. And it means to be scared, terrified, and cautious. This type of fear elicits the fight, flight, or freeze. Back in the day, we only used to say fight or flight, right? It, it causes epinephrine to kick in and we either run or we hide. That's what we do or fight, right? But there's a new one, it's freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. And so this type of fear, yari, it causes us to fight, flight, or freeze. The second type of word used is Y-I-R-A, yaira, and it means reverence or respect. This word invites us to closeness and intimacy. Now, if we put this verse into the context of what it's actually saying, let me read it to you. Exodus 20, 20. Moses said to the people, do not be scared and pull away. For God has come to test you that the reverence, respect, and closeness of him may be before you that you may not sin. That changes the whole trajectory of what that verse is. It's no longer about be afraid of God because at just the right moment, he's going to beat you on the head with a stick because you messed up. What it goes down to is I want you to be so intimate with me that you don't wanna do anything that breaks my heart, that you don't wanna do anything that causes sin to come between you and I. That's what it means. It means I can bypass the trash of this world because I know that in him I have what I need. It means that I can sit in my feelings for a second and I can cry out to him, I'm, I need you. I'm in desperate need of your presence, God. And I know that I don't have to turn on the TV to satisfy what I need because I know that in him, I have it all. I don't have to be scared of walking in fear of man because I know that if God has called me to be bold, if he's called me to speak out, if he's called me to do something in faith, then that means he's already equipped me with what I need to get through that season. I don't have to walk afraid of it. There are lots of people that in name only, they're believers. I'm a believer, I'm a believer. It's super easy. In church, it's easy to be a believer, right? Where it becomes difficult is when I have to walk out my faith. When all of a sudden I'm faced with a crowd, I'm faced with a situation, I'm in the masses, and the Lord said, at, at your work event, will you pray before you eat? That's the challenge for me over the last couple of weeks. Before you eat, will you pray in front of all of these people? And they're just like manjing, right? They're just eating. And I'm like, I gotta bow my head and pray in front of all these people. And you know why? I didn't ask anyone, hey, come and pray with me. Hey, wait, don't eat, hold hands. But the way that you live speaks volumes, speaks volumes. So now that we understand the context of this, of this verse, Exodus 20, 20, 
I want to pan back even further, and I want to read the full context of this. Listen as I read this. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall, know, you shall not serve any other gods except for me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands who love me and keep my commands. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, for the Lord, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do work, you or your sons or your daughters, your male servants or your female servants, your livestock or your sojourners who is with you in your gate. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas and all of that that is in it, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long up in the land of the Lord your God. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Underline this next verse. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be for you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The thick darkness. I want you to get a picture of this in your mind. The God of heaven and earth has just delivered a million people out of slavery and they are toddling and walking and trotting through the wilderness, confused and where are we going and what are we doing? And all of a sudden, three months later, God establishes himself as their God. This is how we remain close. And he gives them what most people would call the 10 commandments. He's giving them the Ten Commandments. But it came with a whole light show, y'all. It was way better than anything Disney has ever produced. The mountain was smoking. Fire was coming. All of these things were happening. And thick black smoke filled the mountain. And the Bible says that the Israelites were terrified and Moses turns to them and says, don't be afraid because God just wants you to be close with him. He just wants intimacy with you. And it said that they stood afar off, but Moses pressed in 
to God in that moment. Listen to this. Moses reverenced God. The masses were terrified. Moses shared intimacy and closeness with God. The masses pulled away. Moses was blessed by God and called a father of the faith. The masses wandered around, dying off in the desert, just short of the promise of God that God had for them because they didn't understand what it means to revere him. To revere him. I can say that I love God and I can say that I believe him until he asks me to do something hard. And then at that point in time, I'm out. This is too difficult, God. I'm I'm just gonna go to church on Sunday morning. I'm just gonna, you know, flip open my Bible, do a U version, I'm I'm gonna call it a day. But what if God wants closeness and intimacy with you? And if he says, I've called you to do something and I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know you're frustrated. I know you're already weary, but I'm telling you, I've already put inside of you what you need to be successful in this season. And if you just trust me, don't walk in fear, lean into me, be close with me, be intimate with me. Because in those moments, I'm gonna supersede your expectations And what you're going to see is that you're actually flying above your circumstances. You're not even walking or running. You're flying at this point in time because God has called you to that. He's called you to that. He has not called you to to fumble around and like, oh, Lord, uh, do do I go here or do I go there? Or, you know, the trash looks good. He has direction for you. The problem is he speaks and then you, you pull back wait, wait, I'm scared. And Moses is like, y'all don't be scared, let's go. Moses experienced God and they didn't. He got to see God and they didn't. And I'm asking you this question, and what areas of your life are you walking in fear instead of walking in faith, knowing that he's already given you what you need? I have three questions that I wanna ask you before we leave today and we're actually going to close with another worship song and we're going to pray and and you're going to have prayer partners they're going to be around the room if you need prayer we want you to come and get prayer today because we're making a commitment as a body of believers that we're not going to walk in shame we're not going to walk in fear of terror of being punished but we're going to walk in faith and over the next six weeks that we know and we are confident that God is going to come through in areas of our life and we're not doing this because we want to see his hand we're doing it because we want to see his face that's what we want My questions to you are this. The first one is, do I live with holy reverential fear or do I obey because I'm afraid? Do I obey because I'm afraid? Well, I want want to make sure that I'm doing everything right. The rule followers, this is a struggle. It's a struggle for the rule followers because they're like, man, I want to do everything right. What does the Bible say? Do it. I like the 10 commandments because it's a list for me to accomplish. And if I'm doing that, then I know I'm in a good place. But what if God asks you to do something that's a little harder than that? What if he says, instead of don't commit adultery, I don't even want you to look on the internet. What if he's like, take it off your phone? That's hard. When people say, why why can't you access the internet? Oh, I had to obey God. It's hard. It takes it one step further. 
When Jesus tells his disciples, I, I don't, if somebody sues you, don't we, Richie and I were just watching this on Chosen the other night. If, if God, if someone says, you know, sues you for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. Why, why do we have to go the extra mile, Lord? Why? Because he, this is all temporal. We're, we, we live for now. I, I want it now. Like, make me feel happy now. Give me what I need now. And God's like, in reality, this is 70 years and we're going to reign for eternity. But some of you are going to get there and I'm going to say, I didn't even know you. I didn't even know you. And I gave you opportunities to know me intimately as my son, as my daughter. But you wanted rules. And I wanted a relationship with you. The second question is this, do I believe that my heavenly daddy only wants what's best for me or am I scared I'm missing out because he's holding back something that I need, something that I want? The third question is this, am I consuming trash because I have a wrong perspective of what feeds my soul? Do I consume the things that the world calls good do I buy into the lie of what the world calls acceptable? Do I wink at sin because the world calls it acceptable? Do I have my lines of what's godly and what's not godly become very blurred because I don't want to offend? John Bevere wrote a book many years ago and it changed the way that I personally live and it came at the right time. He wrote this book called The Bait of Satan. And those of you who know that book is one gigantic challenge for you to live offense-free. Try that, just try that for 30 days. Try going to the, driving on US 19 for 10 seconds and not being offended at somebody who drives like they're from a country north of here. But I wanna pray because over the next six weeks, I want us as a church to make a commitment that every day, he has it set up in this book to where you can read it like a devotion. If you are like me, if you need an audio, I have the audio book as well because I'm, I'm an auditory learner and needed it that way. It's just as good, it's amazing. And if you sit with the Lord and you ask the Lord as a result of what I just heard or what I read, what does your word say and what are you asking me? to do. I'm telling you that every day you will be challenged, every single day. And he will put new mercies in your life for that day. He will give you new measures of grace for that day, every single day. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you call us your sons and your daughters. Lord, the Bible says when we were afar off that you came to us. I thank you that in this moment right now, God, that even though some of us may be afar off, our hearts might be far from you. God, I pray that your spirit is drawing us in. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room that's believing you for an unsaved loved one. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that over the next six weeks that your presence would so permeate who we are that when we're around them, that they couldn't help but feel the anointing of God. I thank you that you're closing our mouth when we wanna speak. 
I thank you that you're closing our ears when people say things that distract us from what you've called us to do. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us eyes to see what your spirit is doing on the earth. And God, that you would give us the courage to partner with you in that mission. I thank you, God, that we don't just wanna be good soldiers. God, that we wanna be good daughters and good sons. Lord, I thank you for establishing intimacy and growing us in our intimacy with you. Lord, forgive us for the times where we've been apathetic, where we've been lazy. God, forgive us for the times where we've put everything else in front of you, that we've been distracted by the trash of this world. God, I pray that it would make us so sick to our stomach, Lord, that we would bypass all of those things that we used to cling to for support and for love and for emotional security. And God, I thank you that we're running directly to your arms, directly to you. God, only you have what we need. There is no other thing in this world that can satisfy us like you. So we thank you for the satisfaction of being your kids. We thank you for the satisfaction of just being in your presence. Lord, you are our shepherd. We have all that we need. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.